Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by Kelsey McNair and Mac McAllister from North Park Beer Company. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having us. And Kelsey Thank is you. one of the founders and the owners. Uh, Mac, what is your title? Because I feel like you're someone that's probably given yourself oh. a fancy, flowery title. No, I call myself uh, Mr. Hot Foods assist- Assistant. That's boring. <laughs> you need something better. Oh, uh, oh uh, Mr. Hot Foods Assistant. Like, I don't have a fancy title. Yeah, we definitely nice. got to come up with something better for you during this show. Is that mean Einstein's father? <laughs> I guess that'll work. Come up with something um, good for me. All right. Uh, so first question, um, do you have to have Mick in your last name to be able to work for uh, North Park? <laughs> no, just just if you want to be in charge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The only, the only stipulation. <laughs> if your if your last name does not begin with MC, need not apply. <laughs> no, it's yeah. definitely definitely not the case. <laughs> just just a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, one hundred percent of the people I've ever talked to from North Park at this point all have a last name that began with Mick. So I'm not sure if I believe you. <laughs> yeah, if you well. ever talked to Kelsey's wife. Think about that. That's yeah. the third one. It's, all, it's also a mix. <laughs> all right. So let's let's rewind, um, I guess, even further than six years because you just celebrated your six-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you all very right. much. No. You and Oozle Finch opened up at, at around the same time. That's it. They were just celebrating theirs. Was it six? Yeah, it was their sixth anniversary also. Right on. Um, what were you doing before whenever before uh north park was even an idea in your head kelsey uh before north park was an idea in my head so it had been in my head for quite a while uh before the brewery actually you know came together um but like my day job um i spent 16 years in the video games industry uh prior to taking the jump into entrepreneur mode and opening up the brewery as um, a developer or it, yeah just... so um i was going to college in tampa florida that's where i moved uh from to san diego and uh a friend of mine uh dropped this opportunity on my lap um i used to work for him in high school he had a hobby shop uh with a small uh video game network uh hooked up to a cable modem and uh, me and my friends and, uh, we used to, you know, play a lot of networked games. Um, and, uh, just as a hobby, I started like dabbling with, uh, level editors and video games at that point, um, just for fun. And, um, he was, uh, beta testing this game that was being developed in San Diego. Uh, and, uh, he applied for a customer service manager position and uh, he was offered the job. Um, He approached me and several of my friends and said, Hey, if you guys want to come work in the customer service department of a video game studio, 
uh, I don't know anybody in San Diego and I'm moving out there. And, uh, you know, if you show some initiative, maybe you'll, you know, get into the development side. So uh, I was a little hesitant at first, uh, but two weeks after all my friends left, I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's do it. And so I packed up my stuff, went 3,000 miles, and uh, then, um, yeah, started at the bottom and uh, slowly but surely kind of worked my way into development um, because I had that very small amount of self-taught level editing experience. I was able to get an associate artist job. Uh, I worked on a bunch of uh, EverQuest games um, over the years, uh, and I kind of moved through the ranks, became uh, a lead pretty quick. Um, I finished out the career as a uh, art director, so I was always involved in like the uh, environmental art development side of things, 3D art. Um, I enjoyed it, but it was it was uh, just as many hours as uh, you know known to work these days. Um, <laughs> But, you know, for, for someone else on their schedule. I was just going to say, and, at, le at least now, um, your, any extra time or extra work you put in at least directly benefits you now as opposed to a company. Sure. And I mean, and, and I enjoy it so much more. It's just, you know, it's a much more rewarding place to be. Um, rarely w was I, you know, kind of writing my own script or controlling the path that I was on when I was in that career. So it's a, it's a much more rewarding, uh, place to be for sure. I, th I can't remember if I ever played EverQuest. Um, I mean, you would, you would know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to invest a lot of time to get anywhere in that game. Uh, I, I probably didn't then I've never been a huge gamer. Yeah. So it was more of just like popping in and out. I like when I was really young, um, my friends and I played like the old DOS games like Leisure Suit Larry oh, yeah. and Space Quest and like that vintage of yep. games. But that's I, I know From I've played Fandango games with Quest and... in them, but I can't couldn't remember if I played that specifically. But I think you are the gotcha. first previously game developer that I've interviewed. They're, like it's very common for brewery owners to have worked in finance or like especially in Maryland and Virginia to have worked in IT or some sort of government aspect. So it's you're the first first former game developer. So right how how um how did you get into craft beer? Um so you know when I moved out to San Diego in ninety nine and you know there weren't a ton of breweries in San Diego at that point, but like before I moved out and, you know, back before I was, you know, of age, because uh, I was 20 years old when I moved out here, um, you know, friends with fake IDs or whatever, you know, uh, when people were grabbing the the ice house and the, the you know, Coors Light and whatever, um, I was always into food and, you know, I always just made sure that somebody was getting me something new. Um, and that didn't mean it was great beer, but I just liked to taste new stuff and, you know, over time I gravitated towards things like, you know, Bass and Guinness, Newcastle, things like that, that were not hard to get, but certainly had much more flavor. Um, you know, and then, uh, after I turned 21 in San Diego, you know, I'm browsing the beer selection at the grocery store and, you know, I see the stone arrogant bastard bottle 
and you know it's got this whole thing on the back that's just mocking you yeah you know you're not worthy of this beer and blah 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 and i'm like yeah this is silly so you know it was it was a small investment so i, I bought that and then you know i saw this beer you know a little down the aisle um which was old rasputin imperial stout you know from lost coast and you know here i was drinking guinness uh on the regular and you know i see this beer that's like you know almost 10 percent alcohol and i'm like what the you know it just seemed like something that i was like all right well i gotta give this a try too so those are kind of like the first two craft beers that ended up in my fridge and you know i opened the arrogant bastard and i was like oh crap like this is bitter it's got a ton of flavor <laughs> you know by today's standards it's like yeah. basically just a strong amber ale but yeah. like back it's then, a malt it was bomb like, now <laughs> for sure yeah but it was like holy cow so i was you know i was just kind of like blown away and the next thing i knew i, I found the lo local bebmo and like just got a shopping cart and just filled it and i wanted to try like every style i could find you know and just um kind of a deep dive from there it was like discovered you know the local beer community and there were some really great beer bars in san diego back in those days not many like the liars club was super cool um you know and, and had like alpine beers on tap way back when and o'brien's you know had stuff like you know russian river on tap that you know they they made their debut in san diego at, at o'brien's pub and uh quickly like realized that i was definitely an ipa guy like total hophead you know and just really you know fell in love with that as a kind of the roots of like how i got into beer is it is it that the influence of why um you guys seem to be very ipa heavy west coast ipas uh and focusing on that yes um so when i decided that i wanted to make beer at home um i had casually just kind of dropped that to my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife i was like oh yeah you know i like to cook maybe making beer would be fun um and you know didn't think anything more of it for a little bit and then it turned out that her office mate had bought a mr beer kit for her husband and my wife amanda saw it she was like she's like oh i should get one of those for kelsey and then so she goes over to, i think she got it like bed bath and beyond or something <laughs> and <laughs> and i opened this thing up for christmas and, Probably got twenty five percent off. <laughs> Probably <laughs> those, those coupons. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I broke that thing out after the the holidays, and you know, made one beer on it, and I was like, I was just kind of like hooked on the magic of like the fermentation aspect, you know. And um, the beer I made was certainly crap, but it was totally drinkable. <laughs> and I, you know, the first thing I did was just. It's like, all right, I'm going to a homebrew shop and I'm going to ask a million questions and, you know, immediately started upgrading little bits and pieces of this kit. And, uh, you know, just it started to spiral um, rapidly, but I brewed a bunch of extract beers for a year and they were mostly mediocre and uh, my friends loved them. And I was like, ah, I wouldn't buy any of this stuff. So <laughs> actually just like I, I set it all aside and I was like, you know what, I'm going to like take a much more serious approach to this. I'm going to do a lot of research. I'm going to, you know, listen to podcasts, read books, and then uh, try and build something that's more respectable and can actually make good beer. And so I took a year off. And then when I came back to it, I had amassed like everything with all the control points that I was looking for, like, you know, temperature controlled fermentation. And, you know, I had a three, three vessel system, 
um, you know, just emulating all the processes on a much smaller scale and like, you know, going to all grain and all that stuff all at once. And like the beers just were so, so much better. I um, wonder how many breweries have their starting point at Mr. Beer. There, like, there have been um, a lot of, a lot of my interviews have started with, uh, like, a, a lot of times it's my girlfriend or my wife bought me a Mr. Beer kit because, like, from expressing interest in home brewing. So I feel like that I want to send out like a mass survey to find out how many, <laughs> how many breweries like could point their starting point to brewing on a Mr. Beer kit. <laughs> Yeah, that would I would love to see that stat. That would be great. So, well, actually, let's take um, a real uh, quick sponsor break, and then when we get back, uh, we can talk about um, where along your homebrew journey did you start to think that this could be something that you uh, could do for a living. So we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Right, so, uh, did you did you say where where in time that was that you you made, did that first homebrew? How long ago was that? Yeah, that was like 2003, uh, end of 2003, early 2004. So how how long from that point did it start to percolate in your mind that uh, brewing beer professionally is something that you wanted to look into? I would say that the first batch, like the light bulb kind of went off. But I mean, I, I knew that the the path to travel was going to be long. Like I was like, Oh, there's just, there's gotta be so much to this that I need to figure out. But I was like, yeah. man, how awesome would it be if I could figure out how to make this into my life? And it's crazy. Cause like, you know, that kit was so, so dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it was just so silly. But, um, but at the same time, like I, I was just like, all the gears were going in my head. It was just like, Oh man, I, like gotta figure this out i I can't remember i can't remember who it was but someone talking about their first uh mr beer homebrew described it as the most plasticky beer that they had ever tasted (laughs) (laughs) yeah it wasn't great that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) um so then so did you 
did you go straight to opening North Park or did you um, work in any breweries in the meantime before opening? I, I didn't. Um, I, I, you know, I, I went straight into it and I spent a lot of time um, really focused on quality uh, as a home brewer. Um, I studied, you know, hard to become a beer judge. Um, I was fortunate to be able to participate in a beer judge class that was uh, hosted by uh, Alesmith's Peter Zine. Um, at the time, he was like a grandmaster oh, wow. judge. You know, I think now he's like grandmaster level two. Um, I um, and I went through a multi-month-long course for that also. And at mm-hmm. the end of it, all it taught me is that there's no way I wanted to be a beer judge. <laughs> and, that, and that I also do not have a good palate. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had been rating beers on like Beer Advocate for years and like writing descriptions and uh, was really into uh, that aspect of it for a while. And so the pivot to like judging, you know, blind competitions uh, just felt kind of natural. Yeah. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it and obviously learning about, you know, in order to, to get certified in that, you know, you really have to have a good understanding of, you know, a lot of technical processes and whatnot and, you know, style history. And so that was, uh, that was a great, you know, set of lessons to learn all at once. Yeah, um, I mainly, yeah, I mainly did it so I could, I felt like it would teach me to talk more intelligently about beer. Um, mm-hmm. but like, I know I'm horrible at tasting something and being able to like pinpoint what flavors are, unless you <clears throat> like gave me a fruited sour that had strawberry in it. I could probably be able to tell you it was a strawberry base, <laughs> but like, like, uh, just the subtle flavors and stuff. I'm not super good at like, Oh, this has hints of, I don't know, any pick any flavor. Well, Mac is uh, extraordinary when it comes to uh, pinpointing the nuance. That's for sure. <laughs> the the, the I'm laughing at he's being truthful. The, but the I, I'm, I am. I'm laughing. I, I'm, I'm actually. Like, being... I'm laughing at your facial expression that you gave when he said that. <laughs> I try to I try to tuck away the uh, intelligent uh, flavor grabbing in uh, witty descriptions on a yes. tap. You know. So it eases, it eases some of the pain of me reading the reviews further down the road. <laughs> I um I just type good and leave it at that. <laughs> my my, uh, my yeah. reviews are limited to just grunting uh, good or bad. <laughs> those are the those are my favorite reviews actually. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, well, I used to be um. And I don't know why I keep telling this story because it probably makes me sound horrible. I was one of those, um, and but this was forever ago, uh, one of those untapped reviewers that was a piece of garbage uh, because I had my own rating system where Nugget oh, Nectar no. was my absolute favorite beer. So Nugget Nectar was a five and any th- I rated everything on how I liked it compared to nugget nectar <laughs> oh boy <laughs> um I, I don't do that anymore <laughs> it's good you, you might as well i I, <laughs> I think i stopped rating it like six years ago well no now i just give everything a five 
but yeah, supporting supporting local breweries. Yeah, good on you. I rarely check in, but if I do, I just give it a, give it a five to, to offset the moron that I don't like this style one star. I feel like I'm doing a justice of balancing out those people. We can't go down this rabbit hole. I'll yeah. talk about it for three days. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, you became a BJCP judge. Um, yep. And... and- yeah. Uh, and then, so, you know, building on, on that, uh, you know, just really focus on quality off flavors, you know, um, you know, making sure that the beers are coming out clean. Um, I, you know, obviously when you're a judge, you know, and you're home brewing to generally start entering competitions to, um, you know, get feedback and, you know, the awards started to trickle in, um, and some of those of, you know, fairly, uh, significant, you know, uh, status. I, I pulled in some awards on the national level, um, in the national home brewing competition, um, which, you know, definitely boosted my confidence. But, um, the fact was that, you know, the beer that was hitting the awards over and over again was the beer that, you know, is today our flagship, which is uh, West coast IPA hop foo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, at that national level, that beer pulled, you know, three gold medals and a silver in the span of five years, which nobody had really done that with another, uh, recipe before. And, um, 2010 was the first one where it hit that same year. I had entered a competition that stone hosted, um, which was, uh, American homebrewers association rally, uh, where they had a small competition and the winner of that, you know, their beer was uh, scaled up and brewed on their system. And at that point um, was just distributed to 23 states. Um, and so between the win with Hop Foo that year and my win at their competition that year and actually having a beer go out in the market. Um, what year which, was that? It was 2010. Okay. I remember, um, th- I remember that competition. Yeah. And so re- that I remember one. reading about that. That beer was a session IPA, and in 2010, there wasn't really much in the way of a session IPA on the market, um, especially nationwide. And I I know there was some reluctance from, like, the judging team to get behind it because, like, they thought they viewed it as a marketing risk. They were like, well, I don't know, are people going to spend, you know, a bunch of money on a 4.2% beer that's has more hops. It was like the second hoppiest beer stone had ever brewed on their system at that point. Um, and so, you know, and it was like the smallest uh, <laughs> beer relative yeah. to the <laughs> amount of hops. Um, but the consumer response to it uh, was was pretty strong. I mean, like uh, somebody pulled a, a tally off of ratebeer.com and it was like the second highest rated beer below 5% ABV um, you know, within six months of its release. And it's kind of like all those little pieces and parts were making me really confident that I had beers that were ready for market. And the opportunity to brew with Stone, um, you know, gave me some more credibility. And I I was already friends with a decent number of commercial brewers, but a lot of them were saying, hey, do you want to come brew, you know, your homebrew on my system? Um, You know, so I started doing little collabs. Uh, you know, around Southern California. Um, I got to brew hop foo with Beechwood uh, a couple of times before uh, Northbrook opened. Um, 
I brewed a, you know, a beer with uh, Fall Brewing, the company that's up the street, um, you know, brewed a couple other collabs around town. Um, so it's kind of like vicariously starting to really wrap my head around, you know, the nuts and bolts of, you know, how a, a brewery operates relative to what I was doing at home. And at home, my, my brewery had kind of turned into a little pilot system anyway. I had a couple of stainless steel conical fermenters and a multi-tiered stainless steel brew house and, you know, just all the, you know, similar to where I started, um, you know, I, I had a system where all the control points were relatively similar to what you would expect on a commercial system, just much smaller. Um, so I, I, kind of, I felt like I was ready to go because I had acquired the information, you know, and, and I did all of that while I was continuing to work, you know, like 70 hours plus a week making games, um, which was tough. Uh, but, you know, the it, it would, would have been a lot harder, I think, to try and launch a brewery if I had, you know, kind of taken a brewer's wage in those days, um, especially given how capital intensive it was. Yeah. You know, I was able to save some money to put towards, you know, opening this. So, um, did you do you have any partners or are you the, the sole founder? Um, so I, I'm the only operational partner. Okay. I do have some, you know, I, I have a multitude of, uh, of small, you know, friends and family yeah. type, and then some, you know, uh, investors who, you know, angel investor types, uh, that, uh, don't have any say in, in what we do here, but you know, they, they were catalysts to it, it getting open. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb that the name came from the area that the brewery's in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, the, the neighborhood that we're in is North Park. Um, it's a historic neighborhood in San Diego. You know, San Diego is not a very old city, you know, in the scheme of things. Yeah. Um, but this was kind of like one of the early neighborhoods that had a lot of density mostly single family homes, but, you know, in like the fifties through seventies, a lot of the, a lot of the homes were torn down, you know, and turned into, you know, eight unit apartments, six unit apartments. And so the density went up quite a bit. And in the last few years, the density's changed quite a bit too, with a lot more of the zoning changing over to allow for mixed use and a lot of, uh, multi-story residential. So, um, it's, it's always been urban. It's always been kind of, uh, you know, a, a shopping dining district, um, in, in its core, but it's surrounded by, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of families, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of young, young professionals at this point. So was hop food, the very first beer that was brewed at North park also, or is it just eventually became the the flagship so we started out with five uh fermenters and hop foo was um not the first beer brewed hop foo was the fifth beer brewed because i wanted to the first beer we brewed was a a scottish ale um and the second beer was an amber ale and i wanted to get an understanding of you know how the system was going to kind of respond um you know to scaling up my recipes and um glad i did that um i feel like you know the first beers here were not great but um the had i just said 
screw it. We're going to brew a batch of hop foo. Like, I, I don't know that that would have been a good idea. <laughs> um, did you open as the, the head brewer? Yeah. Mm. So for the, the first six months of operations here, um, I basically did everything except for front of house. Um, I was, you know, the brewer, the cellarman, uh, the keg washer, the grain miller, the, you know, CIP all the tanks, transfer all the beers, keg all the beers, um, any deliveries that needed to be made around town, that was me. Um, we didn't do a lot of outside sales at that point, but if if we did, generally I was the one who took the beer. Occasionally, you know, someone from the tap room might lend a hand there, but usually that was that was me doing all that stuff. Uh, do you still brew or have you hired a brewer at this point? Um, well, I brought on an assistant six months in and um, I continued to make all of the work um, with the exception of, of occasionally handing that off. Um, but until um, December 2019 was when I really kind of uh, disconnected myself from the day-to-day mechanical components of the operations. Um, and I've been in more of a, you know, administrative I still write all the recipes, um, you know, still uh, work very closely with the brew team uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, I've, I've been able to kind of step back. And uh, in my opinion, our beers got way better when I did because it's hard to, to try and maintain, you know, really tight focus on, on quality and um, innovation uh, when you're kind of heads down and just like doing the work, um, you know, someone once said, you know, at some point you need to not work so much in your business. You need to work on your business. And, yeah. um, that, that's, that was a really wise, uh, thing for me to digest. Yeah. I mean, when, and a lot of times when you're, uh, instead of doing one or two things really well, you do, and you end up stretching yourself to a point where you're just doing a lot of things at a at a good level, but not as great as it could be if you're f- like more focused on one 100%. aspect instead of 100%. so many different being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, <clears throat> we do have a large venue too, and and that was the one thing I didn't. Even though I I didn't want to have that much to do with like the front of house operations, there was always something that was putting what was going on in the front of house in front of my face. And so it was very easy for me to get pulled away from, you know, what I considered to be the most important thing for me to do, which was to make, you know, really great beer. And instead I was very scattered, you know, having to deal with a lot of other outside effects. And, you know, I, I, definitely know that that was not for the best of what we were doing so well especially because if you i'm sure you walk out into the tap room everyone wants to talk to you everyone wants to talk to the brewer everyone wants to talk to the owner so if people see you like that's a because i've talked to other people like they they have to mentally prepare themselves if they're going to go out into the tap room because they know that they can't just make a quick trip of it Absolutely. And our tap room, you know, if you, if you came out here, you would see that the, you know, there's no separation between our brew house, our cellar, aside from a short wall. And so it's very easy for someone to just walk up and, 
you know, and in those days, you know, I could be on the brew deck, I could be doing whatever. And the next thing I know, somebody's standing next to me in the cellar. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of busy right now. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that's, that was, that was always a thing. Um, let's take one more quick sponsor break and then we'll talk a little bit about the beginning years and then we can talk about, uh, where, uh, North Park is now. Uh, so we'll be right back. I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. Are you planning on having custom glassware made for your business? Glassware availability for 2022 has already reached capacity, and it looks like costs will predictably rise this year. Don't worry, ACS Brand My Beverage has you covered with over 6 million units of the most popular glass styles exclusively in their inventory to meet your branded glassware needs right now. Lock in today's lower prices and take immediate delivery, or ACS will store your product for you until you're ready. Email sales at brandmybeverage.com or visit brandmybeverage.com to reserve your glassware. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. So is that um, what you originally hired Mac for, to kind of be your bouncer and keep uh, people back? <laughs> uh, I mean, Mac Mac wears a lot of hats, um, <laughs> you know, and, and as Mac has pointed out to me many times, he's like, you know, why didn't you hire an ops guy? And, you know, when I first got going, I, I thought I did because I didn't know any better, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I definitely would have been in a much better position to execute on all the plans I had in my mind if someone like Mac had been on the team from day one. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely been uh, a really great uh, thing to, to, for us two to work together and, you know, realize the goals that that I always had that, you know, kind of struggled to, to find the path to. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome. And thankfully he had the proper last name, uh, so he could join the team. Uh, but when, when did you, when did you start at North park, Mac? Um, let's see. It's March 2021. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. It was right at the end of March. Yeah, because I just we had a we had a lot of a lot of stuff to do in a short amount of time. It was uh, we were going to be able to get back open with not just outside seating at that point on June fifteenth. So that was always sometimes I think that I started on June fifteenth because the lead up to that was just it was I, Kelsey a and blur. I legitimately working like twenty hours a day, like putting stools together, new tables, like we just I don't know we kind of transformed the whole venue. Like 
every bit of it. Like what you see today, I think is, uh, it, it, well, it, it resembles nothing of what it was like, you know, a year and a half ago, almost two years. It, um, San Diego was a very closed down area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was March of 2020 and it all just shut down. Um, you know, and, and we had to, we had to do a massive pivot on our business model, um, in order to survive. Were you and, canning prior to 2020 or were you forced into it with the COVID? So we were, we were canning infrequently. Um, we were still very draft centric. Um, and we would can maybe like 70 cases between two or three SKUs. So I'm talking like 70 cases total, not like, you know, 70 of each. And that was just for some accessory sales in the tap room. Um, occasionally we would do a little bit more and maybe wholesale some of that. But, um, for the most part, it was just very small runs. Um, and we were, we were on the schedule for the week after uh, COVID lockdown to, you know, do about that many cases. And I'm sitting here looking at, you know, I've got five tanks that are four, four tanks at that point that were ready to go. And we have serving tanks here because the infrastructure was built out to be more like a brew pub, you know, so those beers were ready to transfer. We label our cans. Um, we didn't have enough labels to do these, you know, to can all these beers, but I, I reached out to our mobile canning company that we were working with at that point, And I said, Hey, I know we're only planning to do 70 cases. Uh, can we go ahead and package down four tanks? Um, you know, and, and that translated into, you know, over 500 cases and, uh, they were scale like, up. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, uh, yeah, we can do it. It's going to be a long day, but we can do it. And, so that's what we did. We labeled as many as we could. We filled up the cold box more, with more beer than there was ever in it before because we already had a lot of kegs and stuff in there. Um, and then I reached out again and, and I was like, can we do this again in three weeks? I'm going to have five tanks ready to go. And they say, yeah, let's let's do it. And so, you know, we ordered the labels for the cans we didn't have labels for and, you know, got that on the schedule, immediately fired up home deliveries uh, that we were doing ourselves, uh, statewide, um, you know, sales, uh, for, uh, home shipment. Um, and, you know, really leaned into wholesale. Um, once we got our labels on cans and started getting our beer around the next thing I know, our Instagram inbox is just blowing up and it's all retailers around the state saying, Hey, how do we get your beer in our liquor store, our bottle shop? Um, and so we just started packing up cases and sending out cases and, and we were just moving as much volume as we could and building the brand in a way that I never thought, you know, was possible. And it really exposed uh, a lot of people to us. Whereas before you had to find us in the neighborhood, like you had to come to our location, you had to drink our beer and somebody had to tell you that there was a reason to come here aside from the fact that you just happened to be in the neighborhood for eating and drinking, yeah. or, you know, going, going to a show. So it was, uh, we leaned into the pivot hard and we, you know, we rode that out as long as we had to. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that was a, a massive brand building opportunity that we, we seized right away. So did it, 
so th- was that like a huge kind of growth yeah period I mean, our, for you then from like the reaching new people and yep yeah it was not a like it was not a good year in terms of of uh you know revenue well, yeah um, it, because it's so much more it, profitable to pour a beer into a glass than it is to package it and abs- ship absolutely. it out into and, the world yeah, and especially you know when we're we are leaning into wholesale pretty pretty heavily, you know, and having to discount those cases um, so someone else can make that margin. Yeah. And uh, but but yeah, just the sheer amount of volume that we were able to push uh, exposed people to our beer that had never heard of us, had no reason to hear of us before that. Um, and now canning is just part of what we do. We can three beers a week, um, you know, sometimes four, and. Uh, you know, that's, that's just the program and, uh, people are always excited. You know, we, we have to make new beer all the time. You know, we do have a few regular recurring beers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, people are always stoked to see what we're doing next. Um, pre COVID were, were you the new beer constant new release focus brewery or were you more core brands before then? We always, yeah, we always had a couple of beers that were generally expected to be on tap. Like Art is Hard is a hazy IPA that we make pretty regularly. And then Hop Fu, um, you know, has always kind of been a quote unquote flagship just because of its its history with me, you know, and, and my homebrew story. Um, but the other stuff, uh, you know, we usually had like a Golden Stout. Um, we had, you know, a, a Hoppy Lager. Um you know, sometimes we had a cream ale, sometimes we had, you know, um, uh, there was kind of like, you know, a small set of beers that people expected to see fairly often. I wouldn't call them cores, but they were just kind of like regular rotators. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were able to kind of drop that program altogether, um, you know, once we did all the canning. And I think we're better for it because we're constantly trying new stuff and then we're having much more fun, you know, (laughs) instead of just making the same things over and over again, I enjoy it. It feels much more homebrew to me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot more experimentation and, uh, learning new things and processes and yeah, I mean, we use a lot of, you know, alternative hop products. Um, you know, we, we lean into, you know, what's, what's new and really uh, try to, you know, branch out. And, you know, collaborating became a big piece of what we do. And that only, like, ramped up to 10, like, when, when Mac, you know, kind of got a hold of, of, uh, of what we're doing here, you know, and started... Mm-hmm. Uh, making connections and mac is one of those people that whenever mac is mentioned in a group of people in the craft beer community it's always talked about how much they love him like he's in that that small group of people that i've never heard anyone say anything but like love (laughs) towards mac yeah i I really hope that's true Uh, it's one one thousand percent true Nothing, nothing would mean more to the world to me than that. Truly, just I mean, from a brand point of view, because you know, I, I admit I that uh, Saturday Saturday night that conversation was had between a few people. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Yeah, but <laughs> but 
But but after your Instagram post, there there were multiple people sitting at that table talking about how much they love you. That's that's the only reason I can get away with it because it's, it's all love. Truly, it really really is. Everybody sit at that table. I'm sure I have the utmost respect for. Um. So uh, I never asked what um what size brew house did you did you open with or and are you still with the same one? Yeah, so we have a uh, direct fired fifteen barrel system. Um, it's got a oversized mash tun. You know, it was always in my plan to do some uh, spirit barrel aged beers, um, big stouts. So I wanted to make sure we could do that without having to you know mash three times. Even though it's shout tomorrow, out to Mike Sabo from Toppling Goliath. <laughs> Yeah, we're brewing with Mike. Right we're brewing a big stat with him tomorrow, um, and we are going to double mash that one because we want to make a, a bunch of it. Don't so don't that, that is a uh, firsthand evidence of you taking all that time to learn as much as you could and research and knowing what you needed yes. to. Yeah, and I mean, if I could go back, I would change a bajillion things. It's just, you know. I think no matter uh, what, you, everyone <laughs> yeah. feels that way. You, you know what you know, and you think you got a good plan, and, and you know, you, you you can never be uh, as prepared as you, as you think you should be. Yeah. You know, it's just, yep. Hi, um, hindsight is yeah. twenty twenty is a cliche for a reason. <laughs> for sure. Um. What uh, what size fermenter are you? I guess in fifteen and thirty barrel fermenters. Yeah, we don't have anything bigger than a thirty. We've got um, three thirty barrel fermenters and seven fifteen barrel fermenters, and we've got a bunch of serving tanks in our cold box. Um, which, you know, now we really don't need uh, quite as much in terms of serving tank capacity, but they're there and they're not easily removed because they're welded to a big uh, steel rack. Oh, geez, <laughs> so, yeah. That's uh, a... So they're, they're, they're there. here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so, um, yeah, we, we brew uh, about four days a week um, right now, sometimes five. Did you end up buying your own canning line, or are you still mobile? We we did, yeah. Um, it just didn't make sense at the rate at which we were canning that because um, we moved into a, a weekly cycle with the mobile canner pretty quick, yeah. and you know, just seeing those bills come in, I'm like, we have the got- ROI for your own would rapidly <laughs> take place yeah. once that. I mean, yeah. I think that is definitely at least one good aspect of the last three years is that. Um, I mean, as long as the capital outlays and everything worked out fine for the brewery, um, sure. it, it, as a consumer, I, it was good that so many breweries timetables for when they planned on buying a canning line and packaging more beer was moved way up. So there's a lot more to go options or just options on the shelves for the consumer now. Yeah, a lot, lot more beer out there for sure. Has um has the in in house business returned at all to pre pandemic levels, or is it still down for over the bar sales? Um, it's different. It's it's way different. So you know, back in those days. We, we did a lot of things to try and bring people in here that had nothing to do with our core brand just because of our location. Like, 
we had a weekly trivia night. We had a darts tournament on Mondays. We had, you know, someone come in and DJ on Friday and Saturdays and, and all this stuff that had nothing to do with the liquid. And I never really liked having to, to utilize those types of tools in order to, you know, to make things, um, you know, busier. Um, cause we weren't getting the right customers. Like the, the people who would show up for trivia night, the, that was the only night of the week that they would show up. Yeah. They they're there for people. trivia. The beer just as an added secondary. Not, yeah. yeah. And so while, you know, our, our kind of like Friday and Saturday night revenue, um, don't see the same level that they once did. The Sunday through Thursday night revenue is it's all way, 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 way higher. Um, okay. So we've kind of norm- normalized in a position that has really elevated our position. So, and we have, you know, people are excited about the beer now. They, you know, people come in for our cans on Wednesdays when we release them. And, and we have regulars that are so excited, you know, to come in and, and check out the beer. And it's like, we've, you know, and, you know, some of these things like, just because it was uh, kind of, um, my expectation that like we would kind of trend back into some normalcy. I remember having a conversation with Mac about like the trivia night thing. And he, he was like, don't do it. He's like, we shouldn't do it. He's like, we should not bring it back. He's like, he's like, that, that's not what you want. And I, I was sitting here thinking, I was like, well, there's, there's some residual, you know, profit that we can probably pull from that. And then I, said all right fine we're not going to do it and you know i'm glad we didn't i'm i'm really glad we didn't and i'm glad we didn't bring back a lot of those things that ultimately would have cost us money at the expense of like doing what is core to this brand um which is you know making great beer standing behind it you know and um i think now like we have the customer like our customers that come here come here because they love this beer, you know, yeah. and, and that, that's what is driving the ship from, you know, from the point in the day that we open until the end, uh, it doesn't deviate from that. And the numbers are, the numbers are good. I have, um, no desire to ever participate in trivia. Uh, and I hate when I find myself at a brewery on a trivia night that I didn't know was taking place. <laughs> I mean, my, my whole thing is not to talk too much about it. Kelsey's heard this ad nauseum for almost two years is what do we focus on? What do we do? We, we make great beer. We hope if it's not, we strive for that. But more importantly, we're delivering excellent hospitality. Um, not to say that was ever missing, but now that's a focal point for the service to match the product. Uh, and I, I believe that we get a ton of repeat business and we've developed a ton of regulars because of our staff and I would like to go on record saying, and I'm sure everybody feels this way. Our team is absolutely freaking exceptional. They are amazing, amazing uh, humans and team members. So I think that's a big change for us uh, as far as the operations have gone, because we can have the best product for sure. But if the people delivering it are not exceptional, like product, some you can go somewhere else and you can get a beer a lot cheaper um, and maybe get some great service. So I, I think that that's one thing that I'd like for us to be able to focus on too is what changed was, was that level of service. I mean, having yeah. and coordinating and, all those other things has got to be a headache too. Like just because well, you're depending on other 
other businesses, other people to show up on time and to like. But it it feels gimmicky though, right? So, you know, at least from my experience and really my experience, except for about two years has always been in operations is when it feels like you're having to bring people in, it's a gimmick. So people kind of subconsciously think, oh, this place must be struggling. And, you know, that's why we don't do a happy hour. You know, we don't feel as though we should discount our product because it seems like it's driving the wrong message. Not to say that we're against doing things like that, but it doesn't feel like what we are as a brand. Just like trivia or bands or so on and so forth. Where do your beer names come from? Who comes up with those? Because I like. Um, like art is hard. What's the, what's the story behind that? Um, well that one, I mean, so sometimes I'll pull references from my personal interests. Sometimes it might be, you know, a nod towards something in the neighborhood. In the case of that, it was sort of like three things kind of falling all together at the same time. So, um, I had always wanted to make a beer name that cause I'm, uh, a big fan of, uh, this band called cursive and uh that's a song that they have and um and it's kind of ironic now because like back then i was a west coast brewer and i wasn't into you know making uh hazy ipa so much but i saw the trend and i'm like well we should we should make one um but i kind of leaned into it in a different way and said you know i'm gonna I'm going to try and make this beer uh, based on what I think it should be and not, you know, what the best examples are. And that wasn't um, at the time anything I knew because I, I couldn't get my hands on what the best examples were. I wasn't drinking, you know, uh, you know, stuff from New England. Um, I was only drinking the versions that people were making locally and my friends weren't trading for Hazy IPA uh at the time and so you know i made this beer uh north park at the time had a annual festival called the north park festival of the arts um my background in video game art um you know i just said okay well kind of all these things tie together so i made art is hard we released it for the 2017 uh north park festival of the arts um it was very popular uh was it a good interpretation of a hazy ipa um by our current standards, absolutely not. Uh, it sold really well. People liked it, but it wasn't an exemplary example of what makes a good hazy IPA. Um, but yeah, just to you know, kind of where that name came from was was a multifaceted approach. Um, a, a lot of its personal references. Hopfu was a, a personal reference from an experience. Um, that one was kind of funny. Uh, in the homebrew days, uh, I was uh, dabbling with double IPAs. Another homebrewer that um, I was studying with in the BJCP class was also attempting to make a double IPA. And he's like, oh, we should meet up somewhere and, you know, sample them side by side whenever yours is ready. And, uh, you know, we met up at a Strong Ale Fest at Pizza Port. And uh, he pops open the bottle and pours it. And I pop open my bottle and pour it and he can smell mine like, you know, sitting across the table before he's even got the glass. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, he's like, your hop foo is better than mine. Like, and that wasn't <laughs> the name of the beer, but just yeah. like a, stuck a martial arts, you know, reference. And I was like, I'm going to name a beer that someday. <laughs> um, 
so yeah i mean that's that's kind of where it comes from um you know and some of it's random and sometimes we throw it out to the team sometimes mac has a you know an idea uh team members have ideas you know it just kind of depends obviously with all the collabs that we've been up to these days that that's a you know a team process so what about the best jokes are the ones you have to explain (laughs) well so if you're familiar with green cheek um you know they evan tends to have some names that are kind of long and um when we were just we we had like this little text thread going trying to you know come up with a name for this collab we would do and uh it just kept going around and around and then i was like oh i got it and i you know i just kind of threw that out there and and it stuck um and there wasn't really necessarily a a uh kind of a hidden joke to it okay. at all um <laughs> i just thought that was a cool like... beer name <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a fun one so mac how did you get into craft beer how did i get into craft beer uh i mean i would say yard house i worked there for a long time um as a bar manager as an assistant general manager um oversaw the bar program at like four different locations back when yard house was kind of the, I don't know. We would get some really rare beers. Like we would get dogfish One Twenty. Like if we could get, uh, do you like that beer? Of, are you, you know, are you a dogfish One Twenty fan or are you in my camp of that? It's disgusting. No, <laughs> I was just in the camp of, we're going to have a really big day. Oh, it's going to draw people in like crazy. So this order is going to be great for my bonus. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I drink it many a time. Uh, I'm not sure if I can say I, I love it, um, but a time and a place, I think. Uh, and back then to have that, I'm sure I bragged about it to my friends when they didn't get it. I when mean, I, that was one of those beers I sought out. And then when I got oh, it, yeah. I was like, Oh, this is not what I want. <laughs> and I, oh, I absolutely wait. love 60, 90. Then not sure. not 120. <laughs> no, it was just a spectacle. I would wait every year for the emails to go out, and I would get two sixtals, and they would. I mean, it was wild. I mean, you're talking eight ounce pours, and where the, the kegs are popping in, in less than 10, 15 minutes most times. A friend, so many people in your house. a friend of mine last year got a sixtal of 120 for his house. Wow. That's, it, it, Why? Yeah. It's psycho. <laughs> <laughs> too much it's him it's him and his dad's favorite beer so they got a six to of it i was i was served a pint of that beer at a bar once i I ordered it and that's what was given to me and (laughs) i was i think i was 23 years old at the time and and i ordered ordered a second one every year they pour pints to plenty of the younger, the only place in the in the city, but they're just, oh, you know, I, such a subtle flex for them. Oh, we have so many kegs of it. We'll pour you pints. That's um, that's still one of those unicorns that I've I've never gotten to try. It's good. Hopefully, it's good stuff. Hopefully, it is delicious. Hopefully, we can have it on tap this year. TBD. They have so, it. Yeah, to answer your question, Yard House. Okay. Is that where you were before you came to? Uh, I was at, uh, when I left Yard House, uh, I was at Barley Mash. Uh, it is the 
largest kind of, I guess we can classify it as a sports bar, but it's okay. right on the corner of Fifth and Market in downtown in the gas lamp. You know, 700 people capacity, but it is a scratch kitchen. Chef Kevin's pretty, pretty famous in the community. You know, one chopped and he's been on Bobby Flay and all that kind of stuff. What's the so, name of it again? Barley Mash. I was there. Every year. I think sports is it, it's been, been around for a while, right? Uh, this will be the ninth year. Yeah. yeah. They okay. just had their ninth anniversary this year, so it'll be coming up on 10 years. The, la- year. the last time I was in San Diego, I went there. It was good. Yeah, it's it's kind of a destination spot. It's mostly where you would hit up. So, yeah, I was there before Elsie drug me over. Wouldn't let me give a four-week notice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was staying in the Omni that's connected to the stadium. So we walked right over into the Gaslight yeah, you're, District. You're close. Oh, I had a question. I lost it. Oh, so I mean, uh, yeah, pirates are better. Um, Kelsey had a subtle flex of his his gateway craft beers being old Rasputin and uh, arrogant bastard. What uh, most people, it's like Sam Adams or <laughs> or or if it's really adventurous, it was uh, Sierra Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, what were yours, Mac? Uh, first, first one that made me like really love craft beer was Sculpin. Uh, that was, that was the one that, that really got me like hooked. And then from there, uh, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Nate Sirocco uh, from Tornado. It was my neighborhood bar um, when I first moved to San Diego. I would go around there, and he would always, you know, we'd always West Coast, West Coast, Pliny, Pliny, Pliny. And they had a hazy on from uh, Beachwood called 28 Haze Later. And uh, he poured me a pint of it and reluctantly served it to me and said a bunch of mean things to me as I just downed it. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I couldn't, just couldn't get over what I was drinking. Uh, and then, and then my spiral uh, happened uh, thanks to Henry Wynn at Muckish. So it was Sculpin, then Beachwood, and then Henry, and Henry provoked my whole love of operating and kind of the brewery model and my love of beer foggier window still with the exception of North park. Obviously I'm a homer at this point, but uh foggier window is, to me is still the goat of hazy double IPAs. It's still legendary. I don't think I've ever had that. I'm not, I haven't uh, had a lot of monkey beers. I have, have, have to change that for you. Got the Holy Trinity. <laughs> galaxy yeah it's it is still fantastic you can edit that part out i don't want henry to get too much shine from me <laughs> uh i'm lazy i do very little editing <laughs> <laughs> i put in the work ahead of time to make no, sure totally that crazy. editing isn't required afterwards so um no, unless there are, unless someone says something that has legal implications it doesn't get edited out <laughs> No, you don't have to edit it. He is, he is one of the one of the people I, I truly admire and look up to in the industry. So you could definitely leave that in. Yeah. Um, so what what do you do at uh, North Park? Specifically? Yeah, like what what uh, what day to day? What are you doing? Day to day. Man. How it's much good. time do we have? All right. Uh, all right. Uh, give me an hour snapshot. I'm just trying to come okay. up with a cooler title for you. I need to know what, what kind of things you're doing. Oh, let's see. 
I mean, at first, you know, I came in and, and I was, my title was general manager. I think that we moved, we moved away from that specific title. You know, I don't, I don't run the floor day-to-day operations uh, anymore. We have, we have two really great shift supervisors and one exceptional taproom manager that uh, Kelsey and I promoted up. So he kind of runs the day-to-day scheduling, things of that nature, orders. Uh, so I oversee those three managers. They report to me. I think Kelsey and I work pretty synergistically well together, um, you know, coming up with beer names, coming up with, you know, like what hops we're going to use in beer, what style of beer we're going to do, you know, brew schedule, um, you know, okay, let's do a hazy triple IPA. Let's do a double. Let's make a double batch of West coast. It's time to get some more loggers on the board. Um, you know, I reach out to a lot of the best humans in the world that are also in the industry and, uh, we have some collaborations, uh, set those up, you know, cause it's fun making beer with your friends. So I try to spearhead that, uh, that part of the business. Uh, you're going to be I doing also, a Kushwa one, right? Well, yeah. TBD, yeah. you know, if, if Ben said Garrett was going to send the email, I haven't seen one in my inbox. So if you see him, go ahead and tell him to, to fire that bad boy off. Garrett, Garrett's but, a little uh, slow sometimes. It's okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to, he's gonna a busy man. We know all about that. So yeah, and then I just recently over took over the wholesale operation too. So I oversee. I would say that basically everything that Kelsey doesn't do on the brew side, uh, I take care of. So he's kind of director of brewery ops, and I'm kind of director of retail and wholesale operations. So he does one side, I do the other. All right, I'll let all that process. I'll come up with a cool title for you. I think my 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 email signature says director of retail and sales operations. That's too boring for you, Mac. We need something. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you you need you need more uh, flair. That needs jazzed more up. Flair? Yeah. <laughs> I want to have to put a poll up on my Instagram or something. Yeah. <laughs> tell them what I'll get on that though. Won't be able to use those. Um, what, uh, do you have anything coming up at North park that you're excited about right now? Uh, we, you just had your anniversary party. So obviously, uh, I'm sure you were excited about that, but I'm a little delayed in talking to you. Um, so you're probably just resting a little bit right now that, uh, anniversary parties typically aren't super easy to pull off. There's a little bit of. Uh, Kelsey graciously let me take like half a day off yesterday. He would have oh, that's... Day off. You, have good, yeah. you have a good boss. The, the, work, <laughs> the, the, work doesn't, the work doesn't have to stop. So I, did, <laughs> I just slept for like an additional five hours yesterday. So that was nice. I got a little, I got recouped. Because Wednesday is always shipping day, wholesale and direct to consumer. So uh-huh. I usually start my day at like 3 a.m. today. So uh, getting a little rest yesterday was, was nice, but I would say, I mean, we're excited. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, Mike in town for the top and Goliath collab, which is super fun. I know I'm, I'm stoked for that. And then, uh, we've got, uh, some friends coming in town for Mosherland and, uh, Ube day for the festivals where we're going to brew some collabs with, uh, Lavery from uh, Widowmaker and then uh, Dino and Mike will be in town and then Marcus uh, from Weathered Souls. So it's always fun to get to see all your friends. Yeah, you know, got, I went uh, I went to message when I went to message you this morning 
and it was like 7 a.m. here. And I stopped myself. I was like, wait, wait, wait. It's 4 a.m. there. And then I looked and saw like you were actively online at that time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, now I know, now I know why. Because I was like, why is he up so early? That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, that's what it takes. I mean, there's a lot of people that are involved in the success of North Park Beer Company. But, you know, I think that the two people, you know, spearheading that 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 movement um, with the help of some really exceptional people are Kelsey and myself. And it takes uh, it, it takes it takes many hours in a day and get up early and get started and uh, to, to get done everything that needs to get done. You know, we like to we like to be small. So you got to work a little bit harder that way. But that's that's all right. We love what we do. Do you have any um, festivals coming up that you guys will be going to? Bunch. Yeah, <laughs> so we got invited uh, to the uh, to the answer. So the first time they've ever had any guests uh, at theirs, they have they're gonna have eight breweries. So uh, Andy from uh, our our good friend from Black Ninja uh, uh, reached out. So we're going there. We're dropping a collab with the answer next week, and they're dropping one next week as well uh, for their anniversary. And then there you go. See that. <laughs> There he is, the homie. Yeah, so we got to give a shout out to, to Andy at Black Ninja. So we're going to be hanging out with him uh, into this month. And then uh, I'll be at Snally Gaster. And then I think Kelsey's going to go to, to Zool um, in of October. And then hopefully yep. we're both able to uh, make it down to uh, Civil in November. Um, we've, got, we've got a new spot opening, so um, targeting November 1st. So we, we won't be able to, to be away if, if that know isn't going like it's supposed to but yeah on the books three or four um with a couple more that will two or three more that we're going to be sending beer to at the very least if we can't if we can't be there in person awesome all right how what is the best way for people to um keep up to date with the goings-on at north park uh i think our instagram for sure uh, at North Park Beer Co. We just uh, hired one of the best professionals uh, in the business, uh, Leanne O'Neill, to come on board as our uh, communications manager. Already made a huge impact. She um, kind of spearheads our social media and communications. And that's definitely the best way to stay abreast of what is going on in the land of uh, North Park Beer Company. And then uh, if you are a glutton for punishment, Hop on those uh, Facebook fan pages, and they'll uh, they'll keep you posted as well. <laughs> uh, you guys have the time to answer some stupid questions? Man, I thought that's all we were going to do today. Well, I mean, I guess stupider questions. I already asked a bunch of dumb ones, but this no, is no. I thought this is I what we were going to do. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. All right. Um, a lot of these Mac has already answered, so we'll let you take them. Kelsey, uh, we're just going to start with the first one that Mac is very wrong on, and I feel like you're going to be wrong too, uh, but who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? Oh, I think we lost Kelsey. He froze. Blue is mine. Yeah. <laughs> ninja. Oh, yep. He's wrong. Ninja. It's definitely a pirate. It's one hundred percent a pirate. Oh, can, we lost him. On, on why Jack, I think so. Uh, why, why you think it's a pirate? 
You know, someone gave me a really good <laughs> an action. I just chose in my mind, to be honest. Okay. Um, someone, so? I got to listen to one of the recent episodes I did because someone gave like a really good um, reason on why it would be a pirate. And I forget it now. Share that one with me. I will. It, it was like one of the, it was in, it was in the last few weeks of episodes I released. I got to listen and find it. <clears throat> um, I also, I have some new ones here that you didn't get to answer yet, Mac, that I added on. Um, is cereal a type of soup? No. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Hot dogs a delicacy, whatever you characterize it as. <laughs> if you were having a plumbing issue, who would you hire, Mario or Luigi? Mario. And Luigi's definitely the better one. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I just like green better. Oh, yeah. Mario, more credentials. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Without a doubt. Who was the real bully? Daniel LaRusso or Johnny Lawrence? Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, 100%. 100% he was the bully. Would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? Hands for feet. What is the best Robin Williams movie? Good Will Hunting. It's a good answer, but the correct answer is one hour photo. So creepy. <laughs> I think that's why I love that movie so much. It was it's just a true story, right? I thought it was. Loose events. It might it might have been, but it was just like so not a Robin Williams movie when that came out. Like where no. I, why I, I thought about Goodwill Hunting though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you've answered all these other ones. Uh how do you feel about garden gnomes? Did you answer that? Garden gnomes? No, I don't remember. Well, how do you feel about them? Sorry, Kelsey's asking me about the internet. Um, uh, let's see. Garden gnomes? Uh, I guess I'm I dislike them. That's the that's the most common answer. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I was indifferent, but I want to be decisive and just go with one way or the other. I can't. I I think it was Jerez that said he would kick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, he probably has kicked one. <laughs> probably. Um, I mean, I think we I think you've covered them all. Is he is he trying to get back in, or is his internet out? Oh, oh, he made it back. Uh, I can't wait to hear these answers. All right. Are you are you good now, Kelsey? Yeah, I think so. All right. Let me make a note. All right, Kelsey, let's get your take on this. Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? All right. Well, I, I got to go with ninja. I knew you were going to say that. It's wrong, but I'll accept that. Uh, and how is it wrong? I mean, pirates are just cooler. <laughs> I mean, is there? Okay. Do you do you see ninja rides in Disney World? No. Is there a pirate ride? Yes. There's a huge one. Thanks, Johnny Depp. <laughs> that was that was there way before Johnny Depp. Was it? Pirates of the Car- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a late dad. Yeah they they had to they redid the ride to add him 
into it. Yeah, I remember when they did that. <laughs> felt like it didn't fit. <laughs> flats or drumsticks? Oh, uh, I'm a flats guy. Yeah, that, that is the correct answer. Yeah. What is the scariest movie you have ever watched? Scariest movie I've ever watched. Mean Girls. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great movie. Oh man, <laughs> scariest. There's only one right answer. It's the first episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'm going to make that the new f- – that I haven't had a correct answer for that one yet, but that's going to be the correct answer now. Still freaks me out. <laughs> What's scarier, aliens or clowns? Oh, clowns. That's alien correct. Clowns? Oh, an alien <laughs> clown. That would be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hadn't even thought of that before. <laughs> Name a famous person you would love to meet. Hmm. Famous person I would love to meet. That's it's like impossible. Um, I mean, if you're someone who doesn't care about famous people, that is a correct answer also. No, I, well, it's not that. I mean, there's uh, just so many points of inspiration, like in various parts of my life. I don't know how to like narrow that down. Um, I'm gonna get to meet one of only three celebrities I care about at all this weekend. Who's that? Kevin Smith. Oh, nice. I'm gonna go. Uh, he's doing a meet and greet before the viewing of uh, Clerks Three in dc on saturday awesome probably super fun yeah i can't wait because he's supposed to be like you know they always say don't don't meet your heroes or disappoint or something like i've never read about any of his fans meeting him and not walking away with it just being amazed at how great of a person he is like he's not he is who he is all right we'll we'll go to is Nickelback a good band? No. You're not excited about the new single they dropped? No. <laughs> new new <laughs> album coming out in November. Won't be getting it. No. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the best color of Starburst? Uh pink. Correct answer. What is your most prized possession? most prized possession hmm man that's one bathrooms before dying um i i don't know so uh, it's sentimental i i have this unusual box of trinkets that belong to my father um, my father passed when I was, uh, when I was young and half of the stuff in this box, I have absolutely no understanding of what, what it is or why it's in there. Yeah. Um, but that collection of, of oddities <laughs> I think is probably my most prized possession. That's a great answer. Um, 
what is the best gift you've ever received? Oh, um, gosh. I mean, it might have been that Mr. Beer Kit. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, that definitely w- would, that would rank in there. At least it had yeah. an effect on your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and, and, and a shout out to, to my wife, Amanda, too. She is our creative di- director. She's, she is the behind the scenes when it comes to like a lot of our, our merch development and our, you know, kind of marketing plan and all that stuff. Um, sometimes she doesn't she doesn't get seen you know out and about um but she's definitely a critical piece of the the team here so best fast food french fries defend your answer way more mcdonald's than i should have um (laughs) and i i i definitely have an affinity for that flavor profile um sugar that kind of uh concoction of random things that they put on their fries to make them taste that specific way i think there's like 10 ingredients in their fries which is outrageously high for what a fry is supposed to be but now that's out yeah yeah they used to cook them in tallow yep um but I would just say from like a sentimental perspective, like eating happy meals and stuff, like like yeah, definitely dig that. So um I don't I don't eat fast food really anymore. Um but uh yeah, those so there's my justification. I don't know if it's <laughs> right or wrong. What you're, would you're the judge. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I mean I think Arby's fries are good because there's I like the seasoning on them, but I don't have a strong feeling on uh, – I don't feel as strongly about fast food fries as I do about pirates winning battles with ninjas. Ninjas? Fair. <laughs> uh, what would the title of your biography be? Oh, man. Um, literally only one right answer. Mr. Hopfu. <laughs> what else could it be? The life and times of Mr. Hopfu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has to be that. I, I, I did a I did a uh, a seminar at a homebrew conference once, and uh, the uh, title of it was "Mastering the Art of Hopfu." <laughs> I mean, a good title would also be like "Thank You, Mr. Beer." Oh, <laughs> but. It sounds like there are fifty uh, percent of the people you've interviewed yeah, would also would also claim the same <laughs> be, title. It'd so. be a less uh, less original. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here is something I feel strongly about. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Mm, sometimes. Uh, what makes it acceptable? All right. So. I'm pretty specific about this. If you're talking like big rings, big chunks, never. Um, if you're talking like someone made like a concept pie that's got like, uh, you know, auto bought a pork and you're trying to add that little like little bits of pineapple that you'd have on the taco type of thing. Um, I'm cool with that. 
um, if we're getting Sheffy, but in general, <laughs> I'm a no. Okay. <laughs> I will I'll say that's mostly right. The only okay. caveat I will get where pineapple is allowed on a pizza is with banana peppers. The adding that heat in for some reason allows me to not find it repulsive. Interesting. And for some reason, both of my children love Hawaiian pizza. Well, I think like kids. Like pineapple? Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> I think the only time it's, it, they have to be grilled first, like get all the juice out. Yeah, cook, cook it first, get them dry a little bit. Yeah. Roast them off. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's what I hate more about it than the flavor. Is that often it isn't like cooked to the point like it's still like super juicy. Yeah, that, that's that's an off-putting thing. If you were a professional wrestler, what would your walkout music be? <laughs> um. I'll let Mac answer that one for me. What do you think, Mac? Uh, I'm going to go with... I don't know who sings the song, which is terrible, uh, but I think it, his walkout music will be Take On Me. You know, oh. <laughs> oh, Yeah, I can't think I of... See, I can see Kelsey coming out to that wearing some flair. <laughs> Maybe some doves flying in behind them. Aha. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great video. It is. Who um who does the the little videos and the art for North Park? Um, so we work with uh if you're familiar with Humble Sea. Yes. Um, Frank, who uh, is one of the uh, co-founders over there, um, he actually owns a design studio called Good Knife. And uh, we've been working with them for a uh, few years now on, uh, on our can art. And so uh, my wife, Amanda, our creative director, um, she works with them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, as far as the videos go, um, we get those assets from from uh frank and his team and then uh um our social media uh you know coordinator uh communications manager leanne now is uh going to be taking over that effort um but uh yeah we've had some some fun stuff how many pairs of underwear do you pack for a three-day trip four it's a it's a good number i go with five just to be safe. You pack one in your carry-on? Yes. I pack a change of clothes in my carry-on. I've never I've never had my luggage lost, but I do not trust that it won't get lost. Well, I guess for a three-day trip, I wouldn't check a bag. You specified three days. So unless I'm packing a bunch of uh, large format bottles. Uh, is Are you guys fans of the Magnums at uh, North Park? Uh, we've been known to pour some mags, that's for sure. What do you do? Big stouts or barrel aged sours in those? Uh, always stouts. Um, yeah, we don't we don't typically 
dabble with the mixed firm stuff these days. Our space is uh, pretty small and it's hard to segregate out, you know, funky bugs and yeah. spirit barrel age stuff. What are you watching on TV right now? Um, let's see. Uh, been watching uh, stuff with our daughter. Uh, we just started watching the new season of uh, Lego Masters. Um, oh, it's a new season? Being, well, it ended up being a snippet. We thought oh, we were sitting okay. down to watch an episode last night, and it ended up being an advertisement for Jurassic uh, whatever the new Jurassic World movie is, or whatever. Um, She-Hulk. Usually, whatever's uh, coming out from MCU stuff or Star Wars, um, and you know. And then, as far as uh, other things, just started watching uh, The Patient, which is creepy as fuck. <laughs> um, uh, and... First step on the podcast, and it wasn't me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I just realized that we've been keeping this clean. You can, if you, well, you don't edit, but. Oh, I, uh, I don't swear, but I don't care if my guests do. I've been told oh. to F off during episodes. So. <laughs> right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll F off for that one. Yeah. Sorry about that. <clears throat> um, oh, and trust uh, me, there was, there was yeah. plenty of swearing in the episode that I uh, recorded, um, during the Brewers party at the Mortalis Festival. <laughs> As I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was to the point I even actually clicked the explicit tag for that episode. <laughs> nice. Wow. Click it for this one. <laughs> yeah. in, a lot of, in a lot of days. <laughs> um, what, what do you think of She-Hulk? Um, well, so... Uh, our daughter's nine. And so, um, we were having to like kind of pre-screen them cause there's, there definitely are some more, you know, adultish, uh, overtones in there. Yeah. But so far, I think I share the sentiment that most do that, like just the CG is just way over the top. Yeah. Um, it doesn't just has like that uncanny Valley kind of, you know, weirdness about it that I'm, I'm not too stoked on, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I like the Deadpool aspect of it, though, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's fun. I think that yeah, like, like it. you know, it's it's definitely fun. I think I some people are being overly far. critical of it, but I th I think it's a fun show. I would, I mean, I w I enjoy watching it with my daughters. Do you wash apples before eating them? I I tend to wash pretty much any fruit that I would bite right into it before i yeah so yes uh you are smart and you are in the minority <laughs> all right i mean unless you're gonna unless you consider wiping it on your shirt beforehand washing <laughs> the vast majority <laughs> of people are not washing their apples i mean there's wax and everything else on there <laughs> how many people have handled it before you and yeah so building up that immunity bro is is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, it is in my house. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't can't go a season at least two or three times. So, all right, we'll do one more. Was the real bully Daniel Larusso or Johnny Lawrence? <laughs> oh, um. I, 
it kind of goes both ways, but I I gotta I gotta say it was Johnny Lawrence. It was definitely Danny. He was <laughs> he was the instigator. <laughs> and the Cobra Kai really leans more into him being the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, they're telling Johnny's story. Yeah. Luckily, he yeah. got it out after all these years. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, I love your beer. It was definitely that, that I can't remember which one, what you had me try at the festival, but that was one of the best beers I had that day. It was phenomenal. Um, so thank oh, you yeah, for your City time. of the Future. That was your one. That was the one I was excited about. Yeah, I, that beer was great. Uh, so thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my god, that's good.